0: You can also gain access to our found footage show, The Weird Tape Series, and even our Patreon-exclusive, fully-produced audio series, Devil's Clay. So, with all that said, I will leave you to the darkness.
1: Hold up!
3: There was no relaxing in a city like Blackledge, only active and passive vigilance. Having sampled some of what it had to offer by way of its less conspicuous activities, there was no way I could do anything other than scan the darkness and wait. I decided to flip through a book I found in the drawer of the nightstand, A handful of dandelions, a tale of orphans after the darkness. I couldn't help but wonder if it had been put there with intention. But Isaiah and I weren't dandelions. I was the moonflower to his sunflower. Both of us yanked hard from the earth, roots trembling. I got about 15 minutes into the book when I decided I couldn't sit still. Isaiah was just outside my room, no doubt playing bodyguard somewhere in the massive living room, which gave me the excuse I needed. When I fixed my lit gaze upon the bed, the gossamer of countless dreams infesting it rose to my awareness. The dreams supplied my will with something to latch onto, a focal point, as I pushed the bed down into the quicksilver of molten sleep. Waking reality yielded to my efforts, and the bed slid sideways, revealing a trapdoor of ancient rotting wood. Mr. Sugar described the secret passage under the bed as a means of last resort, a place to retreat after some nebulous flood of darkness beset the world. But I think he also knew I'd try it out the first chance I got. Unlike Isaiah, I wasn't all that uncertain about Sugar, whether he was our brother or not. I could feel it whenever the clown spoke to me, a kinship, a bond. But just why he was as elusive as he was insightful, I couldn't figure. For now. I was so focused on the strangeness of the moment when the way was first shown to me that I'd failed to appreciate the other sensation, the familiarity. Without a doubt, it was my wakeless blood that aroused the feeling. But this seemed deeper, a more profound connection than merely slipping into another's dream and poking around, which was all but intuitive to me. Maybe it was the fact that my actual body, not just my mind, had been entirely submerged into dream. Or perhaps, and least preferable, it was because I was walking in the footsteps of my kind putting on more of the mantle I was always destined to bear. This was, more than likely, the real reason Sugar had shown me the way. To bring me a little closer to what I was, or to what he thought I should be. If so, he was going to have to learn the hard way. I'm me, all the way down. It seemed that the way under the bed looked different depending on where it was opened. In Blackledge, the dreams were of blood and money, the passages reflecting the fact. Broken statues of festering bronze, chests overflowing with gold-plated flesh, and gore-encrusted finery littered the halls like scabs falling from the flesh of Mercury himself. In addition to the light from my eyes, the way's darkness recoiled from transparent bars of bluish light that trickled from the windows lining the walls. Each window held a view, a view from beneath the bed. Passing by each window in their turn, I realized the views weren't the same. Some appeared clear and bright, while some were quite dim, and still others entirely blacked out. I reasoned they might be dependent on the condition of the bed how many times it had been slept in, the potency of the dreams that had seeped into its wooden metal frame, whether it was currently being slept upon, and so on and so forth. Turning a corner adorned with blood-spattered dollar bills, rusty nails holding each in place, I caught sight of a window altogether unlike the previous, an outpouring of bright white light, formless shadows punctuating its length where it blazed across the hallway. Placing only one eye beyond the windowsill and wary of what might happen, I looked in. I could see a brass magic lantern set out upon the floor, the kind that might amuse a child with its whirring shadow show. It was playing a tiny tune, all while turning round and round, its small flame throwing wild shapes across the bedroom walls. I could feel the light where it touched my skin, searching my pores, my blood, my mind. Suddenly, the light turned a familiar blue, the color of my new Victorian eyes. The very next moment, my shadow replaced all others upon the wall. Even my bailic was represented, a pitch length of curving shadow that wound around the room. Whoever was upon the bed leapt to their feet, no doubt alerted by the blazing azure light and the shadow blade playing across the four walls. I ducked under the window just as I realized the thing had a shutter. Reaching up, I slammed it shut over the window, the blue light abruptly vanishing from the hallway. Bent as low as I could, I crept past the window and didn't straighten back up until I'd put several more windows behind me. All the bedrooms I peered into were spectacularly unspectacular. Massive, lavish spaces filled with little, if anything, that piqued my interest. Just elaborate boxes of gold and silver and marble. Traveling further, I became keenly aware of a change seeping into the surrounding aesthetic. A reflection of pain and torture. The existing light simmered into a deep, sickly green, the air vibrating with sharp menace. Oozing from the nearest window, the ghastly glow appeared to vacillate between light and liquid. Creeping slowly to the edge of the window, twice shy from my encounter with the magic lantern, I peeked into the room. And I might as well have looked straight into fucking hell. Hell. The room was bare, but for a few horrific elements. Elements whose ghastly implications swelled like horrid pustules inside my brain. A vile, green, apparently acidic liquid filled a massive glass tank. The thing was made to appear like the swollen, transparent belly of a pregnant pig. The pig portion, a delicately hewn statue of a polished bronze-like material... Several persons shuddered from within the cloying emerald depths, all of them alive, naked, and missing most of their limbs. Strange masks covered their faces. Breathing tubes wound out from the mouths of the things. The group's eyes were shielded by goggles of some kind. (sighs) Jesus H. Christ. Their goddamn eyes... Weird hoses spiraled out from their backs, an orange fluid being pumped into their slowly disintegrating bodies. With each gush of the sallow fluid, the attached body would tense and swell. The people inside were being forced to watch themselves slowly dissolve into the acid. Their eyes left intact so they could watch, the breathing hoses so they couldn't suffocate. The unholy contraption must have been what Gand called a tortuary. The whole thing was mechanized. Strange glowing instrument panels, coiling rubber tubers, slamming pistons, all of them eerily silent as they facilitated the thing. The the monument to fucking insanity! It was from my effort to look away that I caught sight of the next leg of the Parade of Horrors the coiling tube unraveling from the tortuary's yawning mouth, a serpent slithering across the room, awful yellow fluid coursing through its transparent guts. On the other end of the tube, a naked man stood before a massive painted canvas, the hose feeding into the back of his head via a circular organic port. Face stretched in sickening ecstasy, the man plied bright colors to his work, paintbrush quivering from his apparent ecstasy. Through it all, I'd managed to miss the pleasant parlor music playing in the background, a deliberate and heinous contrast to the horror's unraveling, disintegrating. The man's painting was nothing but a mosaic of hundreds of screaming faces, their eyes exactly like the ones staring out from the tank of acid, pleading, desperate, damned, I couldn't bear to leave them like that. These scream eaters were beyond any evil. Gand was fucking wrong. There was yet another reason to kill, when necessity and passion lined up like stars in the goddamn sky. The window wouldn't open, wouldn't break, no matter how hard I slashed and cut and stabbed.
1: Open up, you fucking thing! Ugh! Open, damn
3: It It was useless. The window afforded a view and nothing else. But I knew there had to be a way in. A door leading up into waking, just like the one I came through. I needed to force it into existence. My eyes became miniature blue novas as I poured my power, my will, all around the window, trying to call forth a door. But no matter how much I tried, nothing happened. I tried pounding on the window, laying into it with the pommel of my balic. The glass didn't so much as scratch. All I could do was watch those poor people suffer. While that man, that utter inhuman piece of filth, he just... Grinned ear to ear, shaking from euphoria, painting his sick painting. Oh, their eyes. Those poor people. Sugar! I know you can hear me! Open this fucking door! Right now! Do you hear me?
0: I didn't know if it was just the recording Bowley'd sent me, making me paranoid, or if I'd actually heard something near the entrance to the Mercury Room. Something trying very hard to be silent and unseen. If something was there, I didn't want to tip it off that I'd heard anything. I hit play on the recorder again, kicking up some background noise, letting whoever, or whatever, think they had a little noise to cover their movements. My senses primed. I waited for confirmation. Bingo. We had an intruder. The noise came from behind me. Since it was trying to keep to my blind spot, I rose from the couch and maneuvered in such a way that the thing would only have a few places to go to avoid being seen. Places where I could corner it. I made it look good, like I was looking for something, opening drawers and turning over papers. I recalled a long, raised dais next to a little sitting room off the west wall, a small collection of golden idols displayed atop it. The little clicking sound persisted at my back. The time had come. My power bloomed as I eased my Berettas from their holsters. The lighting wasn't great, but I could see well enough to get a good look at what had been stalking around behind me. A severed head afloat in green liquid, both encased in a spider-like robotic frame. The whole hellish contraption stood a couple of feet off the ground. I was about to blast it into Kingdom Come when the head opened its eyes. Christ, it was screaming in pain. But all I heard was a muted fraction of its agony. But little made it past all the green goo. Locking eyes with me, I got some sense of the hell it was in. And its severed condition wasn't its only problem. Mechanical needles and hooks and all sorts of other shit were being jammed into its eyes and gums and drills corkscrewed into its teeth. You gotta be fucking kidding me. What the hell are you? I should have known better than to ask questions first and shoot later. Naturally, I paid for it.
2: Ah, shit!
0: Something metallic broadsided me, right smack dab into the wall. Whatever it was, it was a little bigger than the head. Romy, rise and shine. We got visitors. No answer. Diving across the room, I snatched my briefcase where I'd left it on the couch. I slung one of the Berettas for the case, but stopped shy of drawing the revolvers. Even though I could handle them longer, I couldn't hold them forever. I wanted a clear target first. I moved to cut off anything that might be headed for Romy's room. Coming out of a roll with my Beretta trained on the larger of the two robotic creatures scrabbling through the shadows, I fired a silenced round. The bullet sparked off the thing. Which I could now see was a dismembered torso, likely where the head had formerly taken up residence. It was having the same type of shit done to it as the head all kinds of little knives and drills and spikes driven into it, all while it skittered about, complements of a mechanical set of spider like legs. I should have realized, since the head and torso had turned up, that the arms and legs wouldn't be far behind. Both hands, each enclosed within their own spidery torture contraptions, leapt at me from the darkness, raking their pointy metal legs across my arms. I took a step back, putting as many items on the menu as possible, but the things had vanished, ducking out of sight. The pale revolvers came out, their cold mist snaking around my hands. I didn't so much as breathe, giving the silence all the slack I could afford to highlight the slightest sound. Sure enough... A small metallic jangle slipped out from somewhere on the other side of the big statue at the far end of the room. I could have just ended things right there, blown a king-size hole through the statue, the robotic freaks, and the walls behind them. But I waited, to make sure my shot found its mark. Then something large stepped from behind the statue of Mercury. The sum of all the severed body parts, assembled into a grotesque mockery of man and machine. A human face shouldn't have the ability to contort like that, so twisted by agony, beyond the limits of flesh and bone. The theme for the evening, screwing up, seemed all but plugged in. So, rather than blasting the hell out of the thing, I hesitated, too stunned by the look of it. Its eyes. I'd never seen... I'd never seen that kind of... anguish. By the time I'd snapped out of it, a pane of glass slid away from the captive mouth of the thing, opening its voice to the outside. It was too late. Ah! The scream hit like a bomb. Bulbs and candle flames shattered and snuffed, plunging the room into darkness, save for the eerie green glow of the liquid. A wall of excruciating pain washed over me, and though it was night and my abilities were dimmed, it shouldn't have felt that powerful. I'd never experienced pain like that before, agony that flew off the charts. Somehow the attack conveyed the suffering of the dismembered man, every particle of his pain transcribed in minute detail. It was a peek into a dimension of purest anguish, a limitless shriek formed from unending torture. The shockwave sent me into the wall, along with everything else not nailed down. Glass, stonework, and the marble flooring alike cracked or shattered. Every nerve ending in my body was on fire. But all I could think about was Romy. Where the fuck was she? Why hadn't she come out of her room? I heard the thing crunch through the glass, making its way to the door. This had either been a warning or it thought I was dead. Either way, I wasn't a fan of the whole... Calmly walk away while your enemy is on his back routine. Pale revolvers in hand, they brought me to that place. The mindset where the world was nothing but dull, straight lines and cold, empty spaces. It made the pain bearable. Well, I let you say your piece. Now it's time I said a thing. Or two. Putting all I had into the shots, the mechanical horror show blew apart. Sending green fluid, sparking servos, and smoking limbs spinning into the darkness. I wasn't taking any chances with the thing. I needed to finish it and check on Romy. Once I was certain the creature was so much paste, I made for Romy's room. Before I got there, a... gaggle of flashlight beams crisscrossed the room. Agents, are you in here? Are you okay? Yeah, fellas, I'm here. What happened, sir? I used a non-microwavable cup to warm up some coffee. They really ought to label those more clearly. Be right back. Gotta check on my sister. Opening the door, I caught sight of Romy her eyes bleeding blue light, teeth bared, her Balix blade hissing through the air around her. And for some reason, I could have sworn her bed slid into the corner, all by itself.
3: We need to kill the Scream Eaters, every goddamn last one of them.
2: The Sleep-Wake Cycle is a Maltopia production. Today's episode
0: was written by Mark Anzalone and performed by Kelly Baer and Mark Anzalone. The episode was edited by Walker Kornfeld. Sound production and editing was performed by Stephen Anzalone. Check us out on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Maltopia. That's M-A-E-L-T-O-P-I-A. And if you'd like to know more about the world of The Sleep-Wake Cycle and contribute to its nightmarish expansion... Visit us at www.patreon.com forward slash where you can gain access to all sorts of art, mythology, stories, and more. For more information about the sleep-wake cycle and the larger world of Meltopia, head over to Meltopia.com. Hold up.